Good morning, everyone. It's Jean from Michigan. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, August 17, 2012. Today we are reading from the big book. We're in Bill's story on page 8, beginning with No Words Can Tell of the Loneliness and Despair. Today's readers are Paula, Monica, Sarah, Kim, Sharon, and Rick. Thank you. The share code for yesterday's meeting, yesterday being Thursday, August 16th, share code 2854, 2854. Strength and Hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Margaret from South Jersey and a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will and for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. I will now call on Mindy to read the 12 traditions. Yes, good morning. Mindy, compulsive overeater. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating. 
4. Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting others or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully supporting declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Mindy. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you please keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you, have done sh- once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're in Bill's story on page 8, beginning with No Words Can Tell. And I'm going to ask Paula to begin, please. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. No words can tell of the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Quick sand stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. You know, he says in the first line, no words can tell. But that's all he has is words. And you know, when we think a word, a word is a, a, a an articulate sound expressing an idea. I think we get the idea here. I found in that bitter morass of self-pity. Self-pity. He felt really sorry for himself. Lottie, where was he going now? And then I love when he said, quicksand, not love, but what a description, stretched around me in all directions. Like there was nowhere more to go. Not up, not down, not to the side. Let's try this. Let's do that. Nowhere else. But this part here, I had met my match. I'd met my match. 
And with that, I will conclude. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Good morning, Janice. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. No words can tell of the loneliness and despair. You know, this morning when I was looking at this paragraph, I thought, you know, this is not just words on a page. This is not just words on a page. This was someone's life. This was someone's life. You know, and what point had Bill gotten to in his life? You know, I have been in that place. I don't know about you, but I have been in that place where the food had me beaten, beaten, prisoner, in chains, in shackles, no way out. You know, I couldn't think my way out of this situation anymore. And my thinking was what I prided myself on. You know, my thinking, being able to figure it out, had always been what I thought was my strength. But I couldn't think my way out of this situation anymore. And no matter how much I wanted to stop compulsively eating, inevitably, I would pick up again. I couldn't stop myself from starting again. And if that isn't quicksand, I don't know what is. You know, when you think about quicksand, the more you struggle, the deeper you go. The more you fight against it, the deeper you go. And that's what Bill is describing for us here so perfectly. It stretched around him in all directions. There was no way out. Alcohol was my master. I was no longer the captain of my own ship. Food was my master. It led me around by the nose. And I would think to myself, food, it's just an inanimate object. How can this be? How can this be? But that loneliness and despair that comes from being trapped in that place and thinking no one else can possibly understand what I was going through. It's not just words on a page. You know, thank God Bill W. wrote so beautifully and described for us in such detail what it gets to so that we can identify and confirm who we are and what we're up against. Because it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's fatal. And once you get to that point, once you get to that point, there is a tipping point, and we'll learn what happened with Bill. But this loneliness and this despair and this place that he's at is, is pretty, pretty horrific. And that's the way it was for me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Monica. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And yes, this paragraph definitely uh, paints us a picture here, especially of that quicksand, you know, the quicksand stretched around me in all directions. And like Janice already said, you know, and when you're in the quicksand, the more you struggle, the worse it gets. You know, the more you, the further down you get. And what is it with quicksand? You know, so you gotta, you gotta stop struggling. You gotta give it up. And hopefully, somebody's gonna come along to help you, because you gotta have help to get out of this quicksand. So first, you gotta give up the fight and stop struggling. And ask for some help. And of course, here this paragraph here, Bill is is uh, you know he's totally powerless. And what's happening here is step one. 
we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. So Bill's starting to, to you know, really surrender here and realizing nothing is working and he can't do it anymore. His thinking, his determination, and this alcohol is his master. It's got him by the throat. And that um, he's, he's going to need some help. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else? Hi, this is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Lena. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I love this image of, image of quicksand, you know, and it's stretched out in all directions. You know, we're always looking for that door number three. There's got to be some way I can gather this by myself, you know, and I love the, the Indiana Jones movies, and there's one where he's stuck in the quicksand, and the thing that, that, that Indiana Jones fears most is snakes. And what happens is his son throws him the end of a python. It's the only thing that he can find that could help him get Indiana Jones out of the quicksand. He looks around and he's like, can't you find something else? Because it's what he fears most. But eventually he knows he's going to die. Every time he struggles, he falls farther in that quicksand and he reaches out and grabs the end of that snake and he gets pulled out of the quicksand. And that's what it's like for us. You know, what I want is I want self-reliance. I want to be able to do it. I can figure it out. And the thing that scares me the most is, you know, lack of power was my dilemma. And I had to reach out for that higher power. You know, I'm dying in the quicksand and someone goes, look, I have this life jacket for you. I'm going to throw you this life jacket. I'm going to pull you out. And I look at that life jacket and I go, well, can't I have it in pink? I want a pink life jacket. You know, but this is the point where the quicksand has in all directions. All directions. He has no other options. And hopefully he's going to reach out, regardless of the color of the of the uh, life jacket, regardless if it's a snake which scares him. You know, alcohol was my master. You know, al- you know, food was my respite. It was my friend. It was that escape in the day. But now every decision is based on the food. Every decision is based on when I can get that fixed. Every decision is based on, um, you know, what 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 the food can do for me, and I keep forgetting what the food does to me. You know, that boomerang has totally turned around and has cut me to ribbons, and I'm still thinking I can get back to that time when the food was fun, but no more. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. This is Sharon. Sharon, go ahead. I'd like to uh, look at that very last sentence. Alcohol was my master. With alcohol... It was my master, I mean, with food, too. It controlled me. I mean, it told me what to do, where to go, uh, who to be around. Uh, and, and usually it was just go into isolation. It, it told me to do things that would destroy me, that were not helpful to me, that were not helpful to other people. It didn't make me a better citizen. It didn't make me a better mother. It didn't make me a better friend it, or daughter. It, or anything, it did nothing to help me. It was my master in destruction, leading me into destruction with no uh, care, with no uh, with no love at all. And so then I'm presented. I just want to draw this connection for those of you uh, who maybe struggle with accepting this. Problem. 
program because it I'm going to just tip tip my hand here. It's it's a pro it's a spiritual program that we're we're talking about in this big book. It's a spiritual solution. And some of us come in and we are like myself. I was I thought I was very spiritual and I was, you know, strong in my uh beliefs and then uh, the, but the reality is is why wasn't my higher power that I had when I came into the rooms able to get me into recovery? I know that the way I was behaving and, the, and that my addiction was not uh, spiritual. It was not where my higher power when I came in the door would want me to be. So why? Why was I operating outside of that? Why did I have this other master when I wanted to have a different master? And what had to happen for me is I had to surrender and accept that my way was not getting it. And this is, you know, other people have already talked about this. But I had to accept, and we, all of us, have to surrender what we think. And we have to reach out and accept a higher power that can solve our problems. And for me, what happened is I surrendered to this program. I surrendered to to the 12 steps, 12 principles, and to the people in my fellowship. And what I found is that as I got recovery, they put my hand back in the hand of my higher power that I came in the rooms with. But this time, I wasn't going to my higher power on my terms, the way I wanted it to be, and the you know the world as I see it, and everyone's line up with me, and even you, God. But no, this time I had surrendered, and so now I have a relationship with my higher power where I listen. I listen. I don't give the the directions. This time, now I'm at a place where I'm spiritually in tuned. I'm sensitive. I hear what my God is speaking and telling me to do. I'm lining up with the world according to the way that my God wants me to. And I'm not out there like a bull in a china shop, knocking everything and everyone over. Now I'm in tune. I'm sensitive. I'm going with the flow. I'm being of love and service. I have power in my life to do things and to be of influence, and now I have peace, serenity, and recovery. And that's what we get. No longer is alcohol, no longer is food my master. I have a new master. I am the servant of my higher power. I'm surrendered. I'm at peace, and I'm content. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Quicksand stretched around me in all directions. We, many of us have spoken about quicksand this morning. Um, you know, that it engulfs who's ever in it. And, uh, you know, no matter what 
what options I tried, different remedies, different methods that Bill has tried, right? He's tried many different things, uh, drinking in a controlled fashion, not drinking at all, using his intellect, using the new knowledge and the new understanding that Dr. Silkworth gave him. Um, all those things, um, you know, are not working for Bill. You know, it just gets him deeper in the quicksand. The one thing about quicksand is that if you're in it, you must be rescued from it. You can't get out left to your own devices. You know, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about powerlessness. Once we do know that the problem is powerlessness, lack of power, that's our dilemma, once we know that, the solution has to be power. It's that simple. Power is the cure for powerlessness. And the big book is going to make it clear, and certainly Bill's story is an illustration, that it's not going to be inner strength. It's not going to be Bill's inner strength. It's not going to be Bill's willpower. It's not going to be Bill's great amount of determination. It's not going to be any other human creation. It's not even going to be Dr. William Silkworth, who helped him out tremendously in understanding the grave nature of his illness. None of those is enough. As a human being, Bill cannot restore his own sanity. He can't restore his own sanity on, on his own. A sick mind can't heal a sick mind. Bill is going to need the help of a higher power, a power greater than himself. And I identify with that, absolutely. You know, I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. I ate because, you know, to me that was freedom. But I ate for freedom, and I became a slave to this disease. There is no doubt about it. And I remember having that feeling of doom fill me, and I remember that feeling of absolute despair and terror that I had at the end of my compulsive overeating career. I remember that well, and I'm grateful for Bill's words this morning. With that, I pass. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Yeah, this is Sarah. Can I? I can of I? course, go ahead, Sarah. Um, hi, I'm Sarah, compulsive reader. Just one, because everybody spoke so so well and so so beautifully on this paragraph. One little point what is that? Oh gosh, no words. It's like I can you can you read the words and you live it. You just want to cry. No words can tell the loneliness and despair I found in that bitter morass of self pity. You know, in the paragraph before, he says, um, what would I not give to make amends? But that was over now. That that hopelessness, and it's not just about the alcohol. It's not just about, um, you know, the, the quicksand that's stretched all around him in all directions and meeting his match was not only about alcohol. It was about his whole life. His whole life is he, he's he's hopeless he, he feels hopeless about all of the the dreams and hopes and and expectations that he had of himself that are not panning out and an abstinence alone sobriety not having the alcohol didn't solve his problem i just hear so often in program people talk about you know abstinence and abstinence being the most important thing in their life Abstinence, you know, is an important and it's and it's necessary in order to access the most important thing in your life, and that's having a relationship with God or your higher power or whatever you want to call it. It's it's not, 
you know, because the removal of alcohol and the removal of the food wasn't sufficient to remove that feeling list of loneliness and despair and sometimes only exacerbated it. It needs to be the rest of the steps. It needs to be where Bill didn't have that yet. There was no AA. There was no alternatives. He does feel so hopeless because he's not aware that there is a power greater than himself that can restore him to sanity. And that's where it's just like you feel like there's no there's no hope at all because you're not in touch and in, and in contact with with that power that's greater than yourself. And that's why the steps are so, so important because abstinence alone will just give you no, you're still left with yourself. Wherever you go, there you are. And when we turn to the food for that sense of ease and comfort to deal with life and all the the unfulfilled expectations, the unfulfilled dreams and hopes and the disappointments with life, and and the guilt and the sh- and the shame over the things that we that we've done that we don't know how to fix and don't know if we and don't really necessarily believe that we can fix you know the steps give us hope for that and and without that and just to rely on abstinence alone and just you know if I'm I'm not going to eat the food I'm not going to have my binge foods I'm not going to ha- you know for Bill he's you know he put down the alcohol so many times but he didn't pick up any there was no spiritual toolkit that was picked up to replace it and 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 that's what's really necessary and thank god thank god that um that god stepped in and the story will continue thank you and that i pass thank you and yes it will as we move on with monica thank you Monica, press star one to unmute, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Trembling, I stepped from the hospital a broken man. Fear sobered me for a bit. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. And on Armistice Day, 1934, I was off again. Everyone became resigned to the certainty that I would have to be shut up somewhere or would stumble along to a miserable end. How dark it is before the dawn. In reality, that was the beginning of my last debauch. I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. Here in this particular paragraph here, we're seeing two extremes. The first couple of lines there, trembling, I stepped from the hospital a broken man. You know, he's, 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 he's very, very close to his bottom, if not at the bottom here. You know, he has realized he is powerless over this alcohol. It, it, it's got him. It is his master. And nothing that he can do on his own is working anymore. You know, 
That's 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 fearful. You know, I was in that spot. I remember that. And so fear sobered him up for a bit. I kept him on the straight and narrow for a little bit. But then, you know, it came the insidious insanity. You know that that extreme senselessness or foolishness, that delusion, you know, that obsession of the mind, you know, this is the best idea you've had all day. And he picks up again. And he's off and running. And this guy is already very, very sick physically and whatnot from his alcoholism. And then the last part of the paragraph here I have highlighted in green. I'm seeing a lot of hope here. You know, something happens to him. He's not telling us what yet, but he's going to be catapulted. He's going to be thrown. He's going to be hurled into what he likes to call the fourth dimension. And he's going to know happiness, peace, and usefulness. Wow. Now how, do this, how does all this happen? Well, it's going to be called on page 25, There is a Solution. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Christy. Christy, go ahead. Good morning. A vision for you. This is Christy. I'm a compulsive overeater. And, uh, you know, just reflecting on the the sentence, uh, the first sentence there, uh, fear sobered me for a bit. And it reminded me of um, certain points in my addiction when I got scared. You know, when I got really scared. And for me, you know, I still I still have these memories. I have a memory of when I was eight years old and I had been eating a hamburger with cheese on it and I, the bites I had taken were so big I started to choke. You know, we're in a family, you know, sitting around the table, family dinner, and I started choking and I couldn't breathe. And, you know, there was no Heimlich maneuver at the time and I won't describe, and you know, what my parents had to do to stop me from choking, but... You know, let's just say that there was um, there was blood. It was awful, and um, that scared me. You know, and and my dad said to me, you know, you cannot eat that fast. You can't eat that fast. You know, take smaller bites. And um, you know, uh, I will tell you that my disease did not stop at eight. <laughs> I did not stop at the age of eight. That didn't scare me that bad. You know, or when I um, weighed 300 pounds and, um, you know, my my levels in my body were so out of whack, you know, my gallbladder, I had gallstones, I couldn't eat, I was put in the hospital, you know, um, and they would not perform surgery, they were afraid I would die. They were afraid I would die. And, um, you know, my surgeon said, I just, I can't risk it. we got to keep you in here for, you know, a good week or so and get you stabilized. And, um, you know, maybe or maybe not, um, my gallbladder had something to do with my weight, but I weighed 300 pounds, so, you know, I was in trouble there. Um, and that was pretty scary, and that did not scare me enough. You know, I'd like to say that everything changed for me at that point in time, but that's not true. Both of my parents, both of my parents, not one, but both of my parents suffer the consequences of this addiction, including, you know, type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure and, you know, are dying from this disease, you know, and that wasn't enough either to um, scare me. All of those situations maybe stopped me for a little while, maybe stopped me for a little while, made made me pause, made me pause and say, I've got to do something. 
I have got to do something. But then came the insidious insanity of that first week. You know, as an eight-year-old, ah, okay, I won't have cheese on my hamburgers for a while. You know, as a 300-pound woman in the hospital, and, you know, I don't think gallstones are related to weight. You know, as someone that, you know, have both parents dying of this disease, eh, I think I can somehow get, you know, get around it. Get around it. The insidious insanity of that first drink. It wasn't enough that people said, you've got to do something, Christy. You're in trouble. Your health is in trouble. You're compromised by this addiction. That didn't matter. Because the insidious insanity of that first sight came to me over and over and over again. And why is that? Because there is something inherently wrong with the way I think. And I thought my way into addiction every single time. And, you know, I too like the hope at the end of this paragraph that Bill offers us because I have also experienced that. The happiness, the peace, the usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more um, wonderful as time passes. Um, you know, and the only way that that has happened, the only way that that has happened for me is by making the pages of this book come alive in my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. May I comment? Janice. I heard Janice and Paula, please. Go ahead. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. I forgot to introduce myself. I'm Janice. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, yes, here is Bill trembling, coming out of the hospital yet again, yet again. And what does he tell us? Something very significant. Fear sobered me for a bit, for a bit. You know, fear can get us sober. Fear can get us abstinent, but it cannot keep us. Abstinent cannot keep Bill sober, even for a very short period of time. You know, and why is that? And I believe that it is because he's showing us here in this paragraph that he is at the bottom. He is scraping along at the bottom, at the bottom, with no way out, with no way out. You know, he couldn't be scared into staying sober. You know, no matter how dire the straits that he was in, and can you believe, yes, he was being, he was being told this by everyone around him. You know, his poor wife, if you know anything of Lois's story, she's been checking out places to put Bill, institutions, group homes for the chronic alcoholics. And they were pretty awful places not because of the place itself, but because of the people who were in it, people with wet brains, people unable to function anymore. And she knew that's where Bill was headed. So you know that everyone around him was so frightened for him, and he frightened for himself. But that didn't stop his drinking. The insanity of the disease was at work here. The insanity of the disease, that part of the disease that we are so truly powerless over. And I love that, yes, it was pointed out that it was affecting every part of his life, every part of his life. He was truly powerless over. But he had to be at this place, this very place, he tells us, to be readied 
for what was soon to happen to him. What was soon to happen to him was the opening of the door to a world he could live in with freedom and happiness and usefulness. What That is the beautiful, beautiful thing. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Paula, please. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. I'd like to look at that line, how dark it is before the dawn. You know, when you stand there and you're waiting for that bit of light, there is no light around you. There can be no light. How dark is it? He described in words how dark it was for him. And you know, it says on, on a vision for you, what does it say? On, on King Alcohol's shivering distance of his mad realm, from chilling vapor that his loneliness settled down. Now, not only did it settle down, it thickened, ever becoming blacker. How does black become blacker still? He describes it in his life. But then he says, and this is it, in reality, that was the beginning of my last debunch. And debunch is when we describe it, to, cor- to corrupt Excess in eating or drinking. That's what it, Mr. Webster says. I was soon to be catapulted into what I call the fourth dimension of existence. That part, that beginning, you see at dawn, the beginning of a new day. And here we go on to read the beginning of a new life. Truly reborn. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, it's Rick. Rick, good morning. Good morning. My name is Rick. I'm a compulsive overeater. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. Bill's talking about his powerlessness over alcohol. Then he goes on to document his unmanageability. So what Bill is doing is he's, in hindsight, looking at step one, his powerlessness and his unmanageability. Same thing we have to do as compulsive overeaters. We have to look at the powerlessness over the substances that we put in our body, and then we have to look at the unmanageability that that caused in our lives. So Bill is writing in hindsight what we have to do when we're working these steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rick. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yeah, this is Sarah. Sarah, go ahead. How dark it is before the dawn. You know, just because he writes so beautifully the the distinction of, you know, that bitter morass of self-pity quicksand stretched all around me, I had been overwhelmed. And then in the next paragraph, he, he, in hindsight, recognizes that that darkest place that he was in, that feeling of overwhelm was the breakdown before the breakthrough. And in reality, that was the beginning of my last batch. I was soon to be catapulted into what I like to, to call the fourth dimension of existence. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. So when, you know, for the person who's still, you know, who might be crying on the phone and who's looking at their life and wondering, you know, is this, can this be true for me? And feels so hopeless and overwhelmed by life and circumstance can know that 
with every breakdown is the opportunity for a breakthrough. And and that's what he'll have. And that's what he'll have. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive reader. I'd like to comment on a couple sentences here. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. Uh, again, Bill is writing in hindsight, as was mentioned, that insidious, the tricky, cunning, and sly uh, insanity of that first drink. That's why they call our disease cunning, baffling, and powerful. Uh, you know, since Bill can't do anything about his physical part of the illness, uh, his solution has to be to find a power that can work in his mind. All action is born in, in thought. It's not the tenth drink that's the issue. It's that first drink. Then came the insidious insanity of that first drink. The first drink. All action is born in thought. That you know bottle of alcohol doesn't just catapult itself off the counter and down his gullet. He is making a choice. That is, that, that is the powerlessness. The allergy of the body, that is an important part of our illness, absolutely. But uh, it's academic. I mean, if we could just eliminate it, if Bill could have just eliminated alcohol, it would be the end of the story. But his, the real nature of powerlessness is in the fact that he is without defense against that first drink that he succumbs, he invites in the disease, he yields to that desire. So then came the insanity of that first drink. Since Bill cannot do anything about the allergy of the body, his solution has to be to find a power that can work in his mind. Always have to uh, really understand when the big book teaches about insanity. They are not talking about the... um, consequences of drinking too much i mean if anybody drinks too much they get drunk that's the effect of alcohol what the real nature of insanity is is the crazy things you know the the craziness of the mind the inability to see the truth about ourselves the the um defiance and the resistance to see the truth about ourselves and to act on the truth instead we want to believe a lie bill wants to believe a lie once again that he can handle a first drink that's the nature of insanity it goes on to say i was to know happiness peace and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes this illustrates the transformation that is possible due to the program of recovery we change from what we were when we came here, Bill changes from what he was at the top of the paragraph to something entirely different, to change from what he had become in the madness of alcoholism to that which God intended him to be. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Judy B. Judy B. Go ahead. Good morning. Recovered compulsive overeater. I was to know happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes. I just love the way Bill expresses this and and describes the new life that we can can find and we can have. Sometimes it just almost seems unreal. It's just that peace and serenity uh, just can can give us a usefulness that's beyond, beyond belief. And 
and I think remembering how dark it was before the dawn is is what really can help us to be useful to others because when I think about what it what it used to be like um there seemed to be no hope and it was it was only through through going through this journey through using the uh spiritual toolkit through working through the steps through coming close to uh a higher power that that we could come out of that darkness and into a new life and for me it it makes all of the the pain and all of the despair worthwhile it it had a purpose it had a purpose and and we're going to be able to talk about that with others and it's god uses everything in our lives and it's just it's such a miracle to see how this how this can go around and how we can help others and then they in turn can help help even more people it's just the program is just it's beyond understanding, and yet God can do it all. It's just, it's a miracle, and I'm, I'm so grateful uh, to know that, I mean, my life really changed when I found the big book, and I knew, and I knew a new way to work this program, and uh, I'm so grateful for all of the people that that do service and that keep a meeting like this going, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy B. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Okay, then I'll call on our next reader, Sarah, please. Um, good morning, Sarah, compulsive reader. Near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen. With a certain satisfaction, I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. My wife was at work. I wondered whether I dared hide a full bottle of gin near the head of our bed. I would need it before daylight. He didn't know that this was that um, he was about to be catapulted into the fourth dimension into a completely new way of life, he's still in his old way of life hiding um, his gin about the house. And I'm laughing because I can still remember hiding, um, you know, eating my food, hide, crouched, hiding behind the snack cabinet door, or hiding behind the refrigerator because I didn't want anyone to see because I was just, I was embarrassed. I felt like a pig and I knew it and I didn't want anyone to see me in my, eating my, you know, slop. <laughs> and I just, um, and, and, you know, and, and there's satisfaction as long as nobody's watching so then I can enjoy it and no one will, um, can, I can enjoy the, that first, that first taste that that only lasts for that first taste because doesn't because then it just becomes so necessary and then you just feel sick you just feel sick inside and out and you know and it's it's the change just on the heels of the end of that last paragraph and into this one you know I just we just finished I was to know happiness peace and in a way of life that is incredibly more wonderful as time passes a completely new way of life that he that he's going to be given 
that right now his his whole way of life was seeking physical pleasure. His whole life was about seeking. Um, it had gone from seeking um, recognition to being totally dependent on the alcohol for physical satiation. And and it, his whole life was surrounded by his body and his ego. And and it brought him to such levels of misery. And it just is the stark contrast between that and the new way of life that he will be given is incredibly wonderful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sara. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning again, Leia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim, a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, in the paragraph before, it says, you know, that and then came the insidious and sadly the first drink on our Mistus Day. And our Mistus Day is Veterans Day, so that's around, you know, the 10th and the 9th of November. And here it says, you know, the end of the bleak November. So, so this point, Bill is c- continuously drinking for like three weeks. It's like he's given up. You know, and I remember that. I remember the moment when I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm in my mid-20s. I'm obese. I can't diet anymore. Every time I diet, all that means is I'm going to gain more weight because I get that little bit of control. I lose 20 pounds. But that rebound effect, once I take that insidious first bite, I'm gaining 40. So the only way I knew not to gain weight was to not diet. So it says here, with a certain satisfaction, I reflected there was enough gin gin concealed about the house to carry me through the night and the next day. So I just accepted this is my lot in life. I'm going to be miserable. I'm going to be a beast. And the only thing I can look forward to is if I have enough binge food hidden throughout the house, in my car, at my job, to give me that little bit of relief, that bit of anesthesia to stay numb enough so that I cannot think about how miserable my absolute life was. You know, I wonder whether I dared hide a full bottle of gin. You know, I lived at home. I, I was incapable of making any more money and, and afford my binge food than to live in my parents' house, sleeping in my holly hobby furniture. So I just would have to think, you know, is there enough food around the house to get me through to this miserable lot, go to bed, and hope maybe I won't wake up that next morning. You know, because I would need that binge food before daylight. There was nothing left for me but the food and a television set. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Carly. Can I share? Of course. Go ahead. Hi, this is Carly, compulsive overeater. Um, what an amazing paragraph. He. Uh, it reminds me of the gift of desperation. And, and again, that it is really darkest before the dawn. And um, it makes me grateful this morning since I'm, um, I'm new to OA, but I'm, I've been in fellowship before, so I've read this paragraph before. But I am so grateful that that moment of desperation has truly passed for me, I think, because I feel so peaceful 
um, in this program now. And it just reminds me that God does have greater plans for me than um, being a desperate overeater, trying to hide my food, being compulsive, um, that there is a greater um, plan for me and that I am loved. And I don't know that um, just yet. I don't know if Bill knew it just then, but I have hope that I will know that um, if I continue. So thank you so much. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Carly. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. When I look at this paragraph, with a certain satisfaction, I reflected that there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. You know, I think about when the big book teaches us that, uh, you know, this is a self-imposed crisis, that we're the architects of our own misery. I mean, despite the pain and the suffering that Bill has gone through, we've read about threats of divorce, we've read about job loss, we've read about him sleeping on the couch and living with his in-laws, we've read about um, him going through delirium tremens, we've read about suicidal thinking, you know, we've read about all that, um, and yet, you know, this is the solution, you know, that there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. You know, we we seem to, uh, you know, have an inability to remember the pain and the suffering. You know, we still want to seek the ease and comfort uh, Bill, in his case, in that bottle of gin for you and I, you know, digging our fists deep into a cellophane bag seems to be the only uh, way out. And, uh, you know, Bill has taken a beating, taking a beating, you know, beating uh, in his disease of alcoholism, and yet, and yet still, and yet still, we, uh, he is seeking the comfort from from alcohol you know that is the cunning baffling and powerful nature of this disease and that is the powerlessness of the disease again powerlessness is not after he's taken a few drinks of of that bottle of gin from the bottle of gin the powerlessness is that inability to stay away from it to stay away from it he is without defense against that first drink i mean if you burn your hand badly on a hot stove chances are you're always going to remember that you're not going to have a desire to stick your hand in the in the flame and watch your flesh melt but with the alcoholic, with Bill's story, you know, he still thinks that that is a good idea. So he's making sure he's got his stash and that it's hidden from his dear wife. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we close the meeting? Okay, then we'll ask Kim Please to read from page 164 in their big book. Thank you, Kim. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you than to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.